Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news! With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tribune Audio Network. I know that he really didn't want to just abandon her, but it was more so of, how am I going to explain this? I'm going to get in trouble. Nobody knew. He's more worried about getting in trouble instead of the well-being of everybody else. I remember watching the news the day it came out about how she was conceived. And that was a rough day because she really fell apart that, that day. Almost 15 years would go by before the circumstances surrounding November 12, 1999 would come to light. In the meantime, people had their own theories. You liked it. She must have liked it for her not to tell. She's just as guilty as he is. She should be locked up forever. I'm just like, how can people just be like that? Early in my news career, I heard an expression that I still think about sometimes. No information leads to misinformation. When people don't have the full story, they'll often fill in the gaps for themselves. Perhaps no one in this story understands that better than Rashida Cheek. A lot of people don't know how I feel. They just, you know, they just throwing assumptions out there, just throwing me out there, throwing me under the bus, but nobody really heard how I feel. What I'm going through, I'm still dealing with. Rashida is one of few people who can give the best insight into how that baby ended up underneath an apartment stairwell on a bitter cold morning. And she's able to do that because she was there. I never wanted any of this to be going on, you know, but I always wanted to know where this child was that, that was snatched from me as a kid while I was a kid. From the Tribune Audio Network, I'm Fox 8's Natalie Wilson, and this is What Happened to Baby Doe. Angel Thomas was surrounded by love. Several holidays. Birthdays. New Year's. And those little everyday moments. <laughs> were being celebrated in the Thomas household. But the day came when Angel's parents would have to have that talk. I'll never forget it. His, uh, his family was in town at the time, and his uh, little niece, they were out, Angel and her out playing, and she said, well, Angel, you're not you know, really any kin to us. You're adopted. So Angel came running in the house, and she said, Mama, what's adopted? And I explained it to her, and she said, well, Thanks for loving me, and she ran back outside to start playing. What did that mean to you? Oh, God, tears, I was, I was boohooing. But it, it meant the world to me that that's all that mattered to her, that somebody loved her. And that hasn't changed for their little girl, who is now a young lady. I didn't know everything, but I knew that I had a family that loved me no matter what. Even if I wasn't biologically their child, I've always been loved. And when I really accepted that and I really 
brought that to my heart, there's nothing that could take that away from me. Carrie and Daryl were giving Angel a new life, but they didn't try to erase her past. They saved news clippings, documents, and pictures that captured important details of Angel's life. I never really asked questions. My parents were, when they felt like I was ready to know, they were very transparent with me. I just wanted to make sure she, when she got old enough, she would have all that, so she could put all the pieces of her life together. So I thought that was important for her. But like any protective parent, they were cautious. They had to be careful about when and how they told Angel everything. I knew the full story because my sister knew the family. Carrie was worried about how Angel would react if she knew the full story. Yes, and she did. I, I mean, I'll be honest, she fell apart when she found out everything. I searched our website, myfox8.com, and found a story from April 2013. To my surprise, we still had the video. Brandon, 15 years is a long time. What led detectives finally to a solution in this case? The Guilford County Sheriff's Office was working a case that was linked to the abandoned baby found on November 12, 1999. Parts of the video show the crime scene from that day, but Shortly after that, there were shots of a courtroom. I could see a man in an orange jumpsuit on the monitor. He was making his first appearance in connection to sexual assaults across a 12-year period. The victim was the daughter of a, a girlfriend of his. Police believe this case started back in 1991 when Michael started dating the victim who police won't identify as mother. Investigators say eight years later in 1999, he fathered the child with the victim. The man was identified as Michael Kane Wilson, Angel's biological father. Anything she wanted to know, we would tell her. Now, at that point, when the story hit the news about how she was conceived, we hadn't mentioned anything to her about it. But once it came out, we explained anything she wanted to know. I kind of heard it all back then from your parents never wanted you to, you're just a kid that they left there for dead. Like, they didn't want you. I had to put in counseling to help her get through it, but it, it was rough for her. It was really for, rough for her. It was rough for her going to school every day and, you know, kids picking on her. And no matter how much I pretty I told her she was or uh, how much I loved her, it's, it didn't matter at that time. All she could think about is what the kids were saying about her. You know, she'd have a good week or two, but then something would happen and would, you know, start the feelings to, to flood back in. Including when Angel was asked to take a DNA test. It was to prove that um, Michael, her biological father, was her biological father. And it came out that he was? Yes. Yes. And this was just scratching the surface of the full story. The victim, Angel's birth mom, was only 13 years old when she had Angel in 1999. We now know that victim is Rashida Cheek. But I mean, it was really torture. Sexual assault and sexual abuse victims are not identified. Their names are protected. 
That's why you usually don't hear their names or see them in news reports. But if a survivor wants to share his or her story, that's different. Rashida gave it a lot of thought and wrestled with whether or not she would do this interview. You know, I'm hearing the kids like, you shouldn't, some, some of them siblings like, if you do this interview, the siblings in Greensboro are gonna be mad at you. And I'm just like, all right, I won't do it. But then I'm like, there's that control thing again. If I'm doing what everybody wants, when am I going, what, how am I gonna be free from this? She decided to move forward. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. He don't control me. I apologize to any of his children. This going to be upset when they see this because everybody just wants it to go away. But that's what the issue was before. Everybody just want everything to be away and hidden and it's not good for anybody. It messes you up mentally. She met us in our studio for a sit down interview. You got a lot of questions, don't you? Yeah, I do. I do. And again, we, you share what you feel like sharing. It ended up being close to a 90 minute conversation. I want to go back to the very beginning. Who was Michael Wilson to you? That was my mom's boyfriend. Yeah, I was like four. Yeah, I had just turned four when they got together. I wanted to know more about the family dynamic. Rashida gave what I would describe as a complicated description of Michael. Based on what she told me, in some ways, he seemed like a father figure. He stayed on me about school. Uh, I became a great drummer, a great musician. He taught me how to do studio work. I'm not a singer, but if you want me to write some lyrics, I can write lyrics. Um, I, mean, I can play just about any instrument there is. I'm, I'm very talented. Um, he taught me how to work on ACs, how to work on houses. Um, I can do any, almost any type of construction work there is, yard work. Anything manual labor, because he said, one thing he told me is, I'm teaching you all this so because I know how to do this. And as you can see, it's money into it, as well as I don't have to call anybody to come fix anything for me. So you should be the same way. You shouldn't have to call anybody to do anything for you because you can do it. And that's what he instilled in all of us that was willing to learn. Michael also seemed like someone who had certain values. I mean, we was always in church. It's crazy part. Or his mother's church, he was the keyboardist, I was the drummer. I even played, he even had me playing drums for various gospel groups. But Rashida says he had a dark side. To the outside, he was this, this great man. But inside the house, we was dealing with a monster. Rashida says Michael mentally, physically, and sexually abused her for years. How many years total did it go on for? From four up until 19 when I finally moved away. 
you know, the threats of I better not tell what's gonna happen if I tell. I'm, I'm a scared kid, I'm a skinny kid, you know? You have a man that has so much control over you. She didn't report Michael and says her mom didn't know about the abuse. Yeah, they, they lived together. Um, him and my mom ended up splitting up and my mother ended up on drugs, prostitution. And instead of me being bounced around, he uh, allowed us to stay, but my brother wanted to go stay with mom. And then unfortunately I would go live with mom, but because of her drug use, we didn't get along. So it just became where I was forced to stay with him. I had nowhere else to go. I was a kid. She had a roof over her head, but says she wasn't safe. I was sheltered in like I couldn't have no friends. I mean, I, I was just scared. You know how I move was just funny. I mean, I felt like if I moved a certain way, said something wrong, or even asked. Rashida was in the eighth grade when she was pregnant with Michael's child. He actually named her. Her name was supposed, to, her name was supposed to be in his head, Loretta LaShonda Wilson. I found her class picture in the 1999-2000 yearbook. It's a black and white picture. She's not expressionless, but she's not exactly smiling either. When I sent Rashida the picture in a text, she responded, fake smiles all the time. The years that should be a time of innocence with few responsibilities were buried under a secret she tried to hide while posing for the camera. I went to one school dance, maybe two, throughout my whole years of school. And one of them was the eighth grade dance and I had to leave that early. I mean, he was, and I think he was even standing out there when, standing in the dance when I was at the dance. It's more so of, you're worried about what I'm gonna say to somebody else. You're worried about what I'm gonna do. Rashida described herself as being a skinny kid. When she saw the picture and noticed the fullness in her face and neck, she said it was possible she was pregnant in that photo. How did you hide it? Did anybody know? So when I was pregnant, I wore gigantic clothes. I mean, you couldn't, me thinking about it now, I'm like, there's no way that nobody couldn't tell. But I was still doing the mile run in middle school. I was in eighth grade. I was still uh, doing the intramural specials. I was still playing basketball in the gym. I was still doing everything like a regular kid with the exception that most children aren't forced to grow up as fast as she was. She went into labor on November 11th. And my water broke about eight something that night. I was watching cartoons <laughs> in the living room. So you couldn't go to the hospital because he wanted it to be a secret. Okay, so where did you deliver the baby? I delivered her in the master bedroom in the trailer. No pain medication, no help. You know, the only help is him. I mean, I don't even know how I did it sometimes, thinking about it. I don't know how I did it. It was God, that's what it was. So at that point, because your mom was not in the picture at that particular time in terms of the living arrangements, so it was just you and him. And his wife, the crazy part is both of us was pregnant at the same time, so. He has two children that are the same age. One was born in March, 
One was born in November. Mine was November, his wife was March, so we were both pregnant at the same time. Both of you are pregnant at the same time. So you deliver the baby. Do you know how, remember how long it took to have her? I can tell you she was born at 1.36 in the morning. I was looking at the clock. At that point, the weight of the situation really set in. Rashida says Michael didn't want people to know that he had fathered a child with a child and was trying to come up with a plan. We're going to have to ride around and try to figure out what we're going to do. And by now, I'm just like, what is your plans? I expressed this to Angel, you know, when I was talking to her. I was like, he did mention taking your life away, but I was like, you can't do that. Like, this is a whole baby. So we rode around for hours and hours. I remember falling asleep. I was so weak and waking up, and we're still in the car. Eventually, the car would stop at an apartment complex off of McKnight Mill Road. And he just takes the baby, and I'm just, I just remember just sitting there, just crying, just holding my hands like this. And that was the last time I seen her. But Rashida says before she let go, she told her baby these words. I said, I told her, I never forget you. I'm going to always love you. I'm sorry. And I just hope whatever happens, that whoever has you, that they will take care of you and nothing will ever happen to you and that you'll never go through what I'm, I had to go through. So you said that to Angel? said that to her. And to this day, I still remember her face. So did he say anything when he took the baby from your arms in the car? He started crying. He came back crying. He didn't talk to me. He came back crying? Yeah. Came back out in the car, cried, and just pulled off. I thought he put her in the dumpster. I honestly thought he put her in the dumpster. Michael drove back to the house, and Rashida says, Never mentions it again. They never talked about that day. Never mentions it again. Again. I never knew until 2013, when everything blew up, that she was alive. That's when I found out. <laughs> Yeah, all those years. The phone call that causes a secret to unravel, and Angel gets the gift she always waited for. Thank you so much. On the next episode of What Happened to Baby Doe. According to the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, better known as RAIN, every 92 seconds an American is sexually assaulted. Every nine minutes, that victim is a child. Just know that you can tell someone. Rain operates the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Call 800-656-HOPE. Again, 800-656-HOPE to get the help you need. You can also visit the website rain.org, and that's spelled R-A-I-N-N.org. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe and give us a five-star review. It really helps get the word out. We also have video to go along with the stories. You can find our TV series, What Happened to Baby Doe, online at myfox8.com. What Happened to Baby Doe was written and produced by me, Natalie Wilson. Edited and co-produced by Matt Jensen. Vinny Bocanfuso helped, too, with our interviews. Our executive producer is Derek Stetzler.
This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.